Welcome to Let Me Introduce Myself. My name is Sekou Lalo. And I'm Maxine Paul. And we are pulling back the layers of black male humanity to look at what's true, what's authentic, what's deep. Co-creating space for black men to explore their humanity, blackness, maleness, and everything in between to fully introduce themselves. Welcome to Let Me Introduce Myself. Today, we have the honor of sharing the space with Davion Zaire. And this brother is a special brother, really, really interested in supporting and building his community. He's a builder. He's a synthesizer. And he has traveled this nation and beyond. And we look forward to him sharing his heart, his love, his passion, and his experiences with us. Come join us on this journey with Davion Zaire. Hey, Zaire, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Full name, Davion Zaire. You call me Zaire or Zai for short. I am originally from California, born in Santa Barbara, raised in East Oakland, but I also moved a ton. Went to 30 different schools growing up. I lived in East Atlanta, East Oakland, Mississippi. I've lived in South Africa. I consider myself a part of a huge village in terms of my family. I'm the oldest of nine kids. I was born to two college students who split and both had four kids each. So I became the oldest of nine and became the bridge between families. So my whole life, I've been sort of a bridge between communities. Been the youngest, newest, smallest kid. And everywhere I went, I was 16 when I started college. So, you know, that was a whole thing. Also being young and black and 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 a male. You know, I've had every experience from being in the back of a cop car and, you know, handcuffs and all that stuff for for like literally no reason other than, yeah, you know, you just trying to make sure ain't nothing going on, which makes no sense. That's not how you make sure nothing's going on. All the way, you know, to being in boardrooms with 65-year-old, 70-year-old white men who are calling all the shots, but they want a diverse perspective. So, you know, I've, I've had the range of, of, of those experiences and, you know, I'm a bridge builder, I'm a synthesizer, and I'm, and I'm, I'm a futurist in every sense of the word not just in imagination, but in uh, execution. So I'm excited to be here. And that's a little bit about me. Good. good. That's a great introduction, brother. I appreciate the, kind of your life diversity. It seems like you've been in a lot of different spaces. Um, and we can learn a lot from you. I'm going to start with some real basic. How are you feeling today? Mm-hmm. How are you really feeling today? So today I'm feeling... I'm I'm very I'm very reflective of course of the times. You know, I understand a lot of us are being impacted right now financially, I mean health wise. You know, our whole system isn't necessarily built to support this kind of a pandemic, which is coronavirus, you know, COVID nineteen. Now I mentioned I have a bunch of siblings, you know, I've had siblings that have already been laid off. You know, my team, you know, from a business perspective, we've been uh, impacted financially. So there's the the holistic perspective of those pieces. But internally, honestly, I feel like we've needed this pause button for a minute. I've, I've already been thinking ahead in terms of, you know, how do we let go and really build towards systems that make more sense for all of us? Coronavirus happening is exposing things. It's shining a light on issues, but it, the issues were there. You can't shine a light on something that wasn't already there. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm feeling very optimistic. I'm feeling very encouraged. And, and a lot of that encouragement honestly just comes from me surrounding myself with, you know, people like Maxime and the different mentors and advisors that I've had the pleasure of having who 
just continue to speak life. You know, I wake up every day, I write life. You know, I, I am powerful. I am, you know what I mean? I am wealthy, I'm attracting. You know what I mean? I just have my affirmations. I have my goals. I'm very clear about what I'm setting out to do in my days. And so I just hope to be able to pass those things on. Back in January, had you asked me before coronavirus, I had my own sort of strugglesome month mm-hmm. um, where I was like, man, I, man, it's, it's whack. This is whack. Man, I don't even know. Like, it's just, it's just not good. But, you know, I, I really listened to my inner voice at a certain point. It was just like, let go. You know what I mean? You're trying to do things a certain way. You know what I mean? It's, it, you got to let go of the way things have been done if you're truly committed to this cause of like building towards a new future that you know enables more of us to thrive and that's a lot of what guides me zaire actually means central river of life and so i've spent a lot more in swahili and i've spent a lot more of my time you know looking to understand that through biomimicry through different ways just like how can i really tap into that through you know meditation and just being a life source as well as a life giver and attracting that so i feel i feel empathetic to a lot of what people are going through. I'm very sensitive to it. And at the same time, I'm very, very encouraged myself uh, because of what I'm committed to and what I believe, you know, I'm here to do as far as leading as a servant through this time. Hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. Now, now we want to look a little bit closer into you and understand what is it that makes you who you are uniquely you. So I'm who I am in many ways. You know, I mentioned my family. That's been a foundational piece of that, right? I would say my, my top couple value, I actually did a value exercise yesterday. I was a good friend of mine out in uh, San Francisco, in Oakland, actually. And, and she, we walked through the top five values. This, uh, was, what was it? Faith, family, authenticity, and clarity. I'll kind of lump those together. Empathy. So equity, I would say empathy-based equity and impact-based prosperity. And so, you know, I say those different things because that's kind of like in order values that really guide me. And a lot of that has come through my family, grandparents that I've had the privilege of knowing, but also being exposed to reality early. You know what I mean? I talk about being in college at 16. I was out the house when I was 14. And I've been broken I was broken at a young age, you know what I mean? I I experienced pain and heartbreak and confusion, fear, terror, anger, depression, all that anxiety, and and not even knowing what I'm feeling early to the point of, all right, if this is what I'm going to be experiencing everywhere I'm going, then I need to figure something out. (laughs) So by having some good examples, but then at the same time, actually having real experiences where, you know, I'm in the hood sometimes or I'm in the hills at other times. I'm like, okay, the consistent theme of success and prosperity and wellness and joy and health is not money or these things that we're chasing often. It's often things that are what we've been provided with internally, just self-discoveries. It is being understanding of the fact that, you know, I can't know everything another person's going through or who, what made you who you are because you are your own unique set of experiences. So by having my own, I can empathize with that. So, you know, empathizing with community having a family as a backbone, having my values and being clear of that, clear about that. And being a believer ultimately, you know, has made me in a lot of ways into who I am today. That's good. That's a um, good segue into my next question, which is along the lines of what you started to talk about, which is what are the roles that you play in life? Why? And how do those roles impact who you are or your identity? 
but like I said, I'm a, I'm a bridge builder. And I had this dream when I was a kid. It was maybe I was like a 12, 11. I was kind of like seeking my purpose. I mean, as you can imagine, being bounced around. So I went to 13 schools before I went to college at 16. So that's just to give you the perspective on what that looked like. Going through that experience, there's a lot of like questioning, like, who am I? What am I doing? I'm in these different environments. There's all these strong personalities. There's kids that are bigger than me. Some are faster, some are smarter, whatever. And so I was just like, well, what am I uniquely here to do? That's what I had to figure out. And so I was just asked, I would be meditating, praying on it. My grandmother taught me how to pray early. And I was, you know, what am I here for? And I had this dream where, you know, I just envisioned this, this island. And on the island, it was a totally different functioning kind of society. It was like people were doing what they did because they were passionate about it, because it spoke to them. It was like part of who they were. Like you were a doctor because you wanted to nurture. You were a chef because you wanted to prepare. You were a whatever it was, because that's what excited you. That's what got you going. And all of us have that. It's just a matter of tapping into it. And then others of us being empathetic, like being open enough to inquire, to discover what that is in other people, you know, because sometimes we don't always know how to do it on our own. That's why we have to have community. And so after that dream, I also kept just, I just kept asking, well, what's my role in that? And I, you know, one day I just had this overwhelming experiences where I just heard the words, you're a bridge builder, you're a door opener. So I'm a bridge builder, I'm a door opener. And the way that that lives in my day-to-day life, I would say the war, the strongest skill set that I have is sympathy. It's the ability to take threads that maybe other people don't see as being related and being able to bring them together, being able to be a unifier, to be constructive, and to identify the, the synergy in, in, in our difference, you know, in a way that, that can be productive for us. So I would say that that's, that, that's how I break down who I, who I am and, you know, what makes me those are the words I would use to describe myself, you know, outside of like, you know, I love, I'm a lover of family. I love water. I love good times. I love good laughs. I'm a, you know, I'm a musician. I make music. I create, you know, you know, I'm constantly working to better myself every day. I read a lot, write a lot. Mm-hmm. I love food. Mm-hmm. I love, you mm-hmm. know, don't we all, <laughs> you know, and for those that don't, I, I don't understand, but that's still something I'm open to work to, to learn. <laughs> now, as a bridge builder, as a connector, I think this is important to understand. How is your relationship with other black men and then other black people that are not men? So with black men, this is really, I have a really soft spot in my heart because, and I'll just speak on recent experience. We're talking about 2020, right? So, you know, Kobe Bryant just passed away, you know, R-I-H-R-I-P. Last year, you had your Nipsey Hustle pass away. And you have a ton of more, ton more people. It's not to just limit it at these names that are popular that we all know. But it is to talk about the impact and, and, to, and to speak on people who are leaving a legacy that extends beyond the traditional expectation of a Black man in society. So you have a basketball player and a rapper who were community builders, who are investors, who are wealth builders, who, you know what I mean, love their families and, and did a lot more than what people would just throw onto them. And so... I have a soft spot because, you know, I see a lot of things that come out as far as like, oh, you know, here's some resources for underrepresented groups. Like even in society's efforts for underrepresented groups, this term we all love to use, marginalized people. It's like there's very little for black men. I'm talking about 0.0000001%. And, you know, I kind of got to the realization the other day that perhaps it's because maybe we're just a very small population size. And those of us that are actually not in prison or dead, like how many of us are actually like, like entrepreneurs or creatives that are even in positions where we can take advantage of resources that would come out, you know what I mean, to serve us. And so, you know, it's very soft spot for me because we're so powerful. We're so creative. We're so innovative, so imaginative, so rich with 
you know what I mean, all that we can provide and do provide, and yet still in many ways often uh, forgotten. And so, you know, for Black men, I just, anytime I get the opportunity to try to connect, I, I do my best. If I can look out for another brother, I will. If we have any tension, I just say, I, I just reflect on that and go, maybe it's my own ego, or maybe they've had experiences that aren't allowing us to connect right now because of trust that's been broken from experiences. It could be genetic, it could be today. I don't know, but I'm not going to judge them because I know how it is. And then outside of black men, I came from a lot of strong black women. So I just give them a ton of praises. I give, I mean, I give black men a ton of, you know, shout outs, but, but I want to give it a, an explicit set of praises to black women because of the just perseverance. I think it's, it's really hard to be black in, 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 a, in a modern day context, but also to be a black woman where I guess you have this double minority piece or even black queer or whatever other any group you fall under i just say shout out because black women have managed to persevere and push through and you know i mean there are three sources being offered but it's also in many ways because they're looking out for each other black women to me embody sharing culture they embody the sharing economy they embody uplift uh, a lot of what many of us even do today across races wouldn't exist without black women's support and outpouring of love and appreciation for whatever it is that they rock with. If they rock with your song, you're going to blow up. If they rock with your clothes, you're going to blow up. If they rock with your tech, you're going to blow up if Black women get behind it. So I have a, you know, a massive level of admiration for Black women. And by the way, Black women have that whether we are like, you know, popping or not, which is just the coolest thing to me. You know what I mean? Um, it's just like, I rock with you. Well, why do you rock with me? I do. And it's just what it is, you know what I mean? There's nothing, there's no other thing to it. There's, you know what I mean? Of course, there's unique cases, but by and large, you just have a group of people that are just ready to show love. You know what I mean? I think I read a stat that showed how much Black women pray or something. 88% of Black women pray every day. It's a crazy stat. That means there's an enormous amount of faith. Whatever the faith is, there's belief, meaning they're believing in something. And that belief often translates to other people, which shows in terms of how that value translates and how things grow so mm. yeah that's good stuff it sounds like we, we are kind of on the same page around the whole women thing because i grew up with women and it sounds like women allow you to be without having to strive so wherever mm. you are in life mm. you are always good and you don't have to strive to do anything externally to to please them because they are they're, they're at home with your humanity which speaks to like foundation and the early formation in our lives, which is so significant and it makes a difference for everything. And then I feel that because I feel the same way myself. And that, that leads me to the question about your upbringing and like what or who impacted, influenced your upbringing, or if there were moments that were determining factors in who you are here today. I just remember my grandmother being in the backseat of her car in Oakland and her taking time to pull aside on the side of the street, open her window, roll down the window. Hey, you know, you don't need to be out there. And they're like, what? Yeah, you don't need to be out there on the corner. You know, you, you, know, you don't got to do that. It's another way. No, I ain't trying to hear all that. Well, I'm going to show you another way. Get in the car. Now, you could take that a few different ways. You could be like, oh, she gangster. 
Or you could be like, you know, you, you just don't know what that situation is. But for me, I'm like, okay, I'm sitting in the back seat, curious how this is going to go. You know, girl walks up to the car and, you know, she's like, I can show you how to make money outside of what you're doing. And my grandmother would do those kind of things pretty regularly. I'm going to show you how to get into real estate. I'm going to show you how to build your own business, whether it be you selling jewelry, you selling product. Like she had a, a spot on Fruitvale. Fruitvale, a lot of people know Fruitvale because of the movie that they did in mm-hmm. Oakland. But she had a spot called La Friends Boutique and she sold, you know, clothing to women who were like churchgoers, who were like looking to be fashionable, but then she sold jewelry and all this other stuff. But she would help young women. She would like make themselves associates. You know what I mean? She would give them a job. She'd give them an opportunity and then like, you know, try to expose them to other people that she knew in the community. And, you know, not just her, my mom, my mom wasn't as much of like the churchgoer or anything like that, but she was someone who taught me how to appreciate difference. She would just be like, you know, everything is not going to be somebody preaching from a pulpit in your life or whatever it is. It's, you know, like, honestly, you're going to have experiences where, you know, and my mom just exposed me to so much. So that just threw me in. Like my mom, literally real story, true story. My mom threw me in the pool as a baby and people were like, you're crazy. And I just floated. She was like, no, I'm just trusting that this is going to be okay. Now, you again, you could say this is a crazy situation. Maybe she's tripping. But I floated. I'm still here today. I'm able to talk to you. And there's many people to back up these stories and say, like, yeah, your mom did do. I was like, man, I don't know what she's doing, what she's on. But she would throw me into situations my entire life just so that I could gain the experience and like learn how to to float. You know what I mean? To 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 rise, you know what I mean, and be able to trust that it's gonna be okay. And not only that, but then to have my, my balance. You know what I mean? I have I told you my parents split when I was a child, when I was a baby, probably when I was two when they graduated three. But they both remarried. So my, I have my father and then I have my stepfather. My stepfather is from the hood in Richmond. I don't know if you're familiar with Richmond, but Richmond, California, is a pretty notorious place for uh, nothing that you want to experience. So for him to come out of scenarios that he came out of and to be someone who was like a, th- a 12-year-old, like, you know, in and out of the system and just kind of like turning his whole life around, only get, literally getting out of juvie or YA to go to college like wrote a plan to the judge like if I get out of here I'm going to school you know what I mean and then for him to be a part of my life to be able to guide me you know what I mean to have a man with that kind of wisdom and then to have my father with a different type of wisdom I just was able to see from so many different perspectives because I wasn't always around these men either you know what I mean I was able to see the the spectrum of men I was able to see the spectrum of women I'm just kind of pointing out a couple different experiences of people that were very foundational and instrumental in, in my growth because my stepdad would pull me aside and be like, hey, I'm going to teach you how to fight. Like, teach me how to fight? Yeah, I'm going to teach you how to fight. Like, man, I know how to fight. Nah, man, come here. We're going we gonna to fight. I'm like, I'm not about to. Man, really? That's what we're doing? You know, and just like, it, you know, I had, a, I, I had a rites of passage at, you know, 13, you know, which is a, maybe not a common American experience, but I had a rites of passage. And um, I'll speak to that briefly. It was a two-day experience, basically, where I had to navigate from one side of the bay as a 12-year-old turning 13 to the other side of the bay. And I had to, like, they, like, gave me instructions on what to do over the course of that time. Like, I had to figure out how to get the money to be able to get a coat, to be able to give back to someone on the street that was in need. I had to learn how to use all the rail lines and, like, the BART, Bay Area Rapid Transit, on my own. I can't even tell you all the things I had to do. I just know by the end I was tired and ready to go to sleep which finally got to do 
but it was just a formative experience, you know what I mean? Where I was like, I can navigate this on my own. Like I could do this. But granted, there was a community at the end waiting on me. So that's very key. It's a community at the end waiting to celebrate that moment when I made it to my grandma's house, uh, which was a journey. But like, I wasn't no car with nobody picking me up. Wasn't no type of, you know what I mean? And that's how I actually navigated the rest of high school and the rest of my life, really. That's great. So now I want to understand, like, growing up, do you have any struggles with your identity? And then if so, are you still having those struggles and, like, tensions? And then how are you negotiating that? So today I don't have those struggles, like, right right now. So, you know, perhaps like we could, I could answer the question differently later this year. We'll see. Because right now I'm feeling pretty good. But uh, I mean, yeah, most of my life, again, I've been the smallest, youngest, newest kid in most environments on top of being black and a male, while also being ahead of my, like my grades. So I skipped two grades in school. So you know, that was additional challenge of, oh, who do you think you are? Literally, that is the question. Who do you even think you are by like kids that are two feet taller than me? Most of them may have been in their year. And then you have a couple that were kind of held back or whatever the words you want to for it and I'm dealing with that I'm dealing with kids that are four years old and you know I just really struggled for a long time like man am I gonna be this small for my whole life like but just as one example you know what I mean like I'm I'm five four and a half let people tell it today some say five five I don't know don't really matter to me it is what it is but I have struggled with like okay again like why am I really here like okay you know, everybody talks about making money or fame or, I don't know, doing what people do, whatever that's supposed to be. And I never really got caught up in that so much because I was always kind of like, well, why? Am I? Because of the rapid, like, you know, like the nomadic lifestyle almost that I had, I was just like, oh, it's turbulent. So what am I doing in this storm? I can't just live through this storm in a way of like, I, I can't just float through it. I can't just be floating through this. This doesn't make sense. I, I can't literally be born into this life and die and be like, okay, I didn't live. So what does living look like? And so that that's definitely been a constant struggle because of the system that doesn't necessarily support my identity. Even all the way down to stuff like, you know, Maxime, thank you for introducing me to Kay. Kay actually introduced me to a podcast by uh, Renat Scherzer, I believe. And she was talking about males also experiencing hormonal cycles. And I don't mean that in a way of like we have periods because I, I mean, if you have a period, okay, that's something new for me to discover. I have not had that experience, but I know that we go through hormonal shifts. You know what I mean? There's times where we just feel off. It's just different. I don't know how to describe that. I don't know how much science is behind it, but there's days where I'll be like, man, I'm feeling extra sensitive today. You know what I mean? I'm just upset or I'm just bothered or whatever it is. And to even try to explain stuff like that to people, I don't know how to explain it right now. I'm frustrated. What do you want me to say? Oh, how are you doing? I don't know right now, honestly. And now you're upset because of how I'm responding and it has nothing to do with you. It's just, you know, I just need the space to be understood that I'm going through something, especially as someone who's going through so much change and, and doesn't have many people who can relate to that. How can you relate to, there's not that many people that can relate to the story that I'm, that I'm even um, sharing in terms of the amount of shifts. I know black men, men go through that a lot. It might not be traveling a lot, but it might be just being in the hood and the amount of different types of encounters you have to go through just to get to school and back home. That isn't, that is not a fun experience. You like, people are like, Oh, where's your homework? I don't know. The teacher's like, well, you know, you get an F and you're, and you're going to get suspended. So, okay. Because when they're on the way home, they don't want to have a bag. 
that has anything in it because you're not trying to get jacked. You're not trying to get jacked. You're not trying to have the police say you stole nothing. You're not trying to, really, you're not trying to carry no extra weight. And that's kind of the idea. You're not trying to have carry burdens. So I think, you know what I mean? Like grappling with all that, like how I'm relating to my brothers, how I'm relating to myself. It's just, it was just a lot. So I, I constantly felt like my identity was challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been broken. It's been shattered over and over. When I thought I knew something, I found out I didn't consistently to this day. And so, you know, like I say, right now I'm in a good space. That's why I said check back in with me later because who knows, maybe something else that hits me like a ton of bricks. And I'm just like, dang, what? Now I gotta, you know, I gotta, I gotta absorb that. But one thing I will say about those broken moments is that if, if you allow, if we allow ourselves, and I'll speak from personal experience, every time I've allowed myself to like go, okay, well, what can I learn from this? I always grow. I always come back stronger. Mm-hmm. I always expand. I become more dynamic. I'm mm-hmm. able to understand and relate to much more than I was before. So it's, it's definitely been a challenge. I, I get been challenged <laughs> my whole life that's been a constant thing I got to explain myself over and over yeah I mean and I had on top of that I'm an entrepreneur and a creative entrepreneur at that don't yeah I don't even want to get started on that that's just a whole different thing having to explain yourself and what you're doing and why people should be engaging you in. so shout out everybody going through that because it's it's a, it's a journey and I applaud it it's not easy. It's, it's really goofy. It's, it's actually silly how ridiculous it is that what we have to even questions that we have to deal with. But you know, it's what it is today. But we're working on making that different. It sounds. It sounds like you know there's value in this these broken moments that you have. You know, you get kind of a revelation. You get, you expand. You grow. And I, I I wonder who you would be if you didn't have those experiences you know, and how that is connected to your grounding, you know, being grounded and who you are and your identity and everything, because it sounds like it's kind of broadened your perspective in your life, which is great. You touched on something when you were talking in relationship to kind of being a Black man. What, What do you feel like being a Black man has hindered you from accomplishing or maybe a place you were trying to get in your life or just mere expression of who you are in what ways has your blackness I mean all your power hindered you in any any way shape or form you know it's weird right so I'm like uh, I'm not light light skinned I'm brown I would say I'm lighter brown I guess you know some would say fair or whatever you want to call it I don't but and I'm smaller. So I've thought to myself, man, like, you know, for someone that looks like me, I probably shouldn't have that many problems. I should be able to go talk in front of a group of people and it's just okay. And like no one's doubting it. But still, you know, I literally, before I got on this call, it's so funny. I, I didn't even think that this, I, I'm, I kind of wasn't thinking about what we were supposed to be talking about here today. And so I had just recorded a, a story for my Instagram. And I was just sharing a story about how I went to the grocery store right, a couple weeks ago. And you know, coronavirus outbreak. Everybody's wearing masks and gloves and all this stuff. So I have gloves on and I have a, like a bandana covering up. More like a babushka. It was a very, like it was a unique pattern on it. So it wasn't like anything you might have like, like it wasn't like a red, like, oh, this is a blood flag or this is a crypt flag or something like that. So I go into the store with this on. Old Jewish man walks by me and goes, hey, you know, 
few weeks ago, you know, you might have been scaring some people. And I go, yeah, well, you know, it's a good thing that we all have something else to be afraid of now, isn't it? <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> he, you know, he walks off kind of in nervous laughter and I just kind of cracked up to myself. I'm like, you know, wow, like that was that was an experience. Why is that even a commentary? Hello, how you doing? What's up? Are you good? You healthy? Your family healthy? Man, sure is a tough time right now for all of us, isn't it? But no, this man went out of his way to walk past me and go, you would have been scaring people a few weeks ago. <laughs> and, you know, on one hand, I was also like, maybe that was his way of noting the division that we've had and, and the traumas that we've had. And maybe that was his way of, of expressing it. You know, I, I really worked to get to a point of not taking it personally. I didn't take it personal. I was just like, all right, you know, that's how he's reflecting on this moment. That's interesting. But for me, you know, I've had experiences like that my whole life. So it was, like the fact that that was a thought that happened in a grocery store around something as simple as shopping for groceries, like grabbing a, some bread off of, a, <laughs> off of a shelf. Imagine what that same man is thinking when I walk into a room to pitch about a business idea that I have or, you know what I mean, to be in a classroom or, you know, like which students are going to get more support for, you know, scholarships or whatever it is. And so I don't really know what hasn't been provided for me because of it's all unknown. But I'll just say that my mom always told me I'm gonna have to work twice as hard. I'll be honest, I can't say that I always have worked twice as hard, but I've definitely worked twice as smart in my own way. Like I'll be like, okay, this was going on. Let me evaluate it in my own unique way. Something my mother gave me very early was, there's no such thing as can't, there's no such thing as impossible. If you say anything like that, you're going to get whooped. Literally, that was like her whole thing. You, you get, I got spanked for saying can't and lying. Those are the two things in my mother's household that I would just, we're not doing that. And so I just, I just didn't care. I was like, okay, cool. These people think these ways. Some people aren't even aware of their own racism or their own prejudice, I'll call it. I don't want to say right, but like, they're, they're unaware of their own biases, mm-hmm. assumptions, if you will. I don't take it personally, man. I just, I just, I just believe that I'm a lot stronger for it. That brokenness has definitely allowed me to have much more perspective. And if we're going to have leaders in the future, which I'm starting to step into that space where I'm like, okay, you know, maybe, you know what, I am here to lead, you know, and, and going from the maybes to I am. And the brokenness allows us to see that. It's like, okay, well, what's really real? Because when you shatter, you know, there's a lot of fracturing and it, it, it takes a lot to, you know, I don't know if you've ever stepped through glass or anything like that before. It's pretty painful. But if you step through glass, there's a lot of fracturing that occurs. It takes a lot to get to a place of stillness where you're like, okay, like, you know, I'm solid and I'm committed to walking. I'm committed to each step that I'm taking. Like, Because if you're ever walking through something very painful, what you notice is it hurts. For one, first thing our mind thinks, you're feeling it. Second thing is, how much of this do I have to endure? But if we're committed to a cause, if we're committed to a purpose, if we're committed to a foundation, those things start to subside and become secondary. And we start to be able to form, as a newer uh, friend of mine said, an oasis of courage. Of, and I'd like to also add strength to that. But we're able to just persevere because we're committed. I've never even seen a good relationship last without commitment. And this is me coming from someone who's experienced, you know, divorce and breakups and all that stuff in my, in my family, in my, my lineage, um, and watching people like not be together. But I noticed the ones that work, it's, it's, it comes down to commitment. That's really, it just, just is what it is. Appreciate that. 
we we've talked about the brokenness, but like, are there things that you hold in that you would just love to say out loud? You you tell me like it is something like I, and and it may not be true because maybe there's something like maybe you say everything that you want to say and you don't hold it in. But I mean, you see, oftentimes black men like they hold things in because they're worried yeah. about the repercussions or the space yeah. they're in. Sometimes it's the space they're in. And because you're trying to negotiate and navigate yeah. what's code switching and translating and all that. Bar. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I recently have gotten to this point where for a long time, like, so I'll give you an example. I was really hurting um, in the last year, beginning of this year. And, I, you know, and, and I think a lot of it just had to do with my internal state. You know, I, I've been working hard at, you know, some of the things that I've been putting my energy towards for years. Like, okay, whether it be whoever I'm talking to, myself, God, my friends, I'm like, I've been doing, I've been doing good, I would say. Like, I've been, like, I've been doing things in a way where it's like, I want to do good by people. I'm not trying to hurt nobody. I'm not trying to, I hear trying to exploit nobody. And yet, and still, people find it strange that I'm doing things in a way that is just, I'm, I'm looking only to uplift. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on anything else. That's it. But it's strange to people. And so now I'm, in a confused space where I'm like, okay, I've been dedicated for so long. I've been committed, but what's the payoff? You know what I mean? And also what's the reward at some point that if they're getting into selfish thoughts, like what's the reward for me where I'm putting all this energy out there, I'm doing all this stuff. And how's it coming back? And through that, I just learned I had to really prior- start prioritizing myself. It came to a parable of another mentor, you know, started talking about the soil and the seed. And he talked about how the soil is us. I was so focused on the seeds, the things that I'm putting into the ground, putting into the earth that I'm planting that, you know, I have forsaken, forgotten about myself in terms of like, let me nourish me so that these seeds can even grow, you know, the ways that they need to. And also independent of the seed, seed or no seed, let me just make sure the soil is rich, that it's fertile, that it's taken care of, that it's good. I say all that to say because I struggled being able to share that I was hurting. You know, it's hard. It's like, okay, first off, when you're an entrepreneur, which I'm just going to go, you know, that's an outer layer. When you're creative, people want to hear that you're doing well. Now, I do my best to be honest. So I was like, I don't know how I'm, I just didn't know how to phrase it. I didn't have the words. I didn't have the way to articulate myself and say, hey, honestly, right now I'm really challenged. And so the way that I even got to that parable of the soil and the seed was because one day before I went outside of you know the crib, I was just like, if somebody asks me how I'm doing, I need to be honest. Because I can't say that I'm doing great. I'm feeling awesome. You know, it's, you know, it's just it's just wonderful. You know, business is good or whatever. That wasn't what, that wasn't my reality. And so what I realized for myself was I needed to say how I was challenged. So I told him, I, somebody asked me how I was doing. I said, hey, I'm honestly, I don't know. I'm feeling challenged. I, I don't fully know how to articulate that. There's a number of things I can share. I've experienced loss in my family. I've experienced, you know what I mean, some challenges in business with my team and X, Y, Z and personally that's you know that's manifesting these i didn't know how to say all that so that turned into a meeting and that meeting turned into him sitting me down and you know and being what's up what's what's really going on and i through that i mean it was weird because this is technically somebody who could be an investor and all that stuff too but i was like you know what forget all that that's whack if i'm gonna have an investor to begin with if I if this is a if this is somebody that could potentially even be a good investor, if we you know what I'm saying, we should be able to have a real conversation. And so, you know, thankfully it was a good conversation. I don't I don't know that, you know, we'll ever have that kind of relationship, but we definitely have can I can know that he is there. You know what I mean? At the very least. 
where he was able to give me that parable of the soil and the seed and it was very uplifting thankfully it was came at a time where I was more receptive to hearing it but I would have never gotten to that knowledge to that lesson had I not been able to be honest so yeah I felt on the things I felt on to not knowing how to navigate relationships not knowing why I have certain feelings at times I think a lot of times we have that especially as black men because we just don't have the language for it we don't even know how to say what it is we don't know we don't know we just don't know like how can we talk about something that we're experiencing and have no words for it? It's like having a spine and wanting to say that your spine's out of alignment, but you don't know the word spine or backbone or alignment. So how do you even talk about it? And that's frustrating. So now I'm frustrated for not being able to communicate. Mm-hmm. And I don't also, I also don't want to tell you that I'm frustrated because I don't know how to communicate. That's frustrating because then mm-hmm. I'm dealing with my pride and my ego. So now I'm complicated with my ego and I'm like, nah, it's good. So now I'm lying to you. And I'm in a whole different world. You know what I'm saying? And I've been in that. I really have been in that. And it's not a good place. So, you know, just be honest. It's, where, it's kind of where I'm at. And that's why I think, that's why I feel I'm able to be in a good place today. Because I'm just like being transparent as I possibly can be. Mm-hmm. So, Zaya, what, what does it mean for you to, to be free? You, you, as the Black man, you know, in your body and, you know, in terms of, the world and your visions and your goals. And uh, it, if you can imagine it, and I'm sure you have, what does that look like for you to be fully free, liberated? It looks like for me to be free. You know, working on it. You know, working on it is, is a work in progress. Yesterday, someone asked me, you know, we was kind of doing like a meditation practice and they were like, close your eyes, breathe, imagine your future self. And that was helpful for me because I was able to see just, you know, a more mature version of myself, someone who had grown, been further down the road. And, you know, I think a lot of the freedom came in just being who I am most authentically. I feel like that's a big part of freedom. It's not hiding things. If you're hiding something, you're likely not free because it means you change something. Even if, I mean, there's, there's something there. And if we have a system that's not encouraging honesty, then we don't have a system that's encouraging you know, growth. We don't, not true growth. You know what I mean? It's, it's faux, it's feigned, it's pretended. It's just like a lot of these bank statements and, and, and stocks that are presented to Wall Street every year. It's a bunch of bullshit. It's like, yeah, you did technically make this much money, but the only reason why you put it that way is because you had so much pressure on you from the investors or whoever is backing in this need to prove something to the world that you know, you shaped it in this way and it's all a lie. It's all a lie. If we were to actually just launch a study on how much of the facts that are put out into the public are true, I'd be shocked if the majority of it were actually factual. And that's a hard society to live in. It means we're living with a bunch of mirrors that aren't real. So we don't have accurate reflections of of what's going on. And the only way we could really do that is if we look within. So I would say true freedom is finding your peace within, finding your ability to stand on what's true within. It might be hard. People might shit on you or whenever, excuse my language, they might be like, oh, you're not here or oh, you're not making this. So I don't know. But it's important to have real relationships. You know, the first part of relationships, is, I mean, it's not, there's no A in it, but it's real. So it's just like, do you have real relationships or are these things that are kind of like people celebrating or for false reasons? And yeah, that's why I, to to live a life where it's just not real. It's like mm. we're hanging out, but we don't enjoy each other. 
Hmm. I'm investing you, but I mean, you know, you're cool, but really, like we all know why we're here. They don't have nothing to do with. I don't really care about you. I would love it if somebody just told me that. That's the best thing in the world. Thank you so much. You know what? Thank you. You're a real one. You let me know you don't care. I know what to do. You know what I mean? And shame on me if I continue in that relationship at that point. You know what I mean? You, you just told me. You showed me. You told me straight up. But if someone tells me that, at least I can respect it. I've had people straight up say to me. I've had white people say, I don't like niggers. I go, great. Thank you so much for letting me know. That's wonderful. I'm curious, though. Why, why is it that you don't like niggers? I, that, is, that is actually you know, when I've had the opportunity to ask. What is this the whole complex that you have? Um, and I didn't say it that way. I just say, why don't you like niggers? Literally, I just use their language because I had the opportunity to in Mississippi. Well, uh, you know, niggers, they're just, you know, you're just uh, like naming off these things that don't make any sense. And I'm like, okay, well, well, how do you feel about me? Well, you're not like the rest of them. Okay, that's interesting. Well, what? so what's different? And then you start to discover maybe you just haven't had enough exposure and we haven't had enough reality where you were honest and someone else was open enough to be able to be honest to have that conversation and, you know, sort of gain some realignments there. And so, you know, true freedom is, is, it lies in, in honesty, which is what we can really build real foundations of trust on, which is trust. If you think about it, people pass on trust to their babies, their, their kids, which is like real wealth. So honesty to trust we can we can establish foundations of wealth that are based on like reality that's freedom yeah money or no money too by the way that's that's just i was going to come back to that i was going to come back to that because you made this statement about impact-based prosperity which is is different from the money piece yeah also, this might be different if we had a different world. I might not say impact-based prosperity if we didn't live in a world that required so much focus on healing it, because <laughs> that's what we need right now. We need economic healing, we need environmental healing, we need emotional and mental and spiritual healing. We just, we're just confused all. We don't know. Our president says no such thing as climate change and global warming and coronavirus is not going to pass by shaking hands. I mean, um, you would think this is all an Onion article. There's a huge Simpsons episode, South Park, something straight out of Comedy Central sketch. But no, no, no this, this is real. This is on CNN, NBC, Fox, whatever your preferred network is. They might have their skew, but these things happen. And so impact-based prosperity is very important in the times we live in because First off, you take care of a garden, the garden's gonna take care of you. One thing my dad used to always say, if you take care of your car, your car's gonna last you a long time, it's gonna take care of you. And I kind of just took that principle and applied it to anything. It's kind of like, you know, you take care of the engine, it's gonna last. Take care of your garden, it'll last. You take care of your community, it's gonna last. Now, if I try to exploit it, and I'm like, I'm gonna go 135 miles per hour every time I get in the car, and I'm gonna try to boost it and put on nitro and try to do things that are unnatural to the thing itself, then I'm probably going to have some problems and I'm going to shorten the lifespan of it. But we've tried to do this thing where everything, you know, it's from our food, our food, so much artificial pieces in our food, there's artificial pieces to our business models, there's artificial pieces to our, all, every process you could think of, our medicine, our pharmaceuticals. Like, it's like, basically people said, oh, wow, there's an orange. Okay. How can we make an orange in a lab that we can get, 3,000 of those oranges as opposed to just one and, you know, and get it out to everyone. And, and everyone still thinks that they're eating oranges, oranges, basically. So I'm going to create false reality and sell it to you and then charge you more for the organic thing. 
<laughs> which was cheaper to begin with. So it's a whole mind flip. That's just crazy. But we managed to do it. So when people tell me things are impossible, I just ask them to pick up their phone and look at the iPhone. I say, 100 years, you would have told me that you had a sheet of metal with, with glass on the front of it that you're scrolling on and you're connecting with somebody in Japan. That's bullshit. So if you think that that's possible, then we need to, we need to start reframing what we understand as possible and what's impossible because these things are done. They might be hard, but that's a different conversation to have. And then why it's hard is a whole another conversation. So impact-based prosperity, we got to be focused on metrics that are like, yo, we need to be growing. We're growing our local economics. We're growing our environment. We're growing our health. Uh, otherwise, there will be no business. There will be no business because there will be no people to serve. There'll be no, you know, there'll be no trees or whatever we need to sustain life. So there'll be no communities because the environment's not here to sustain us. So, you know, all this stuff is cool, but it's not going to matter if we're not even here to, to appreciate life or to live at all, which is, which is the path that we, we are very much so on if we don't turn it around. I want to give you a space to tell us what you're passionate about because you have some unique things that you're passionate about. I feel like first and foremost, you know, I'm I'm passionate about appreciating life, appreciating, you know, each breath, each step. I just feel like that's kind of something that gives me the breath and even the passion to do the th- other things that I'm passionate about, right? It's like, I'm passionate about, you know, building community. I'm passionate. Oh, fun fact, I'm passionate about games. I love games. I think they bring us together, create relatability, relation, music technology i think it's a great way for us to be able to like develop systems that work for us technology is a tool in many ways to me that can be artistically approached so you can be creative with it you know so you know i run a i run a uh, an organization called culture base which is a public benefit corporation and our impact metrics are local economic development you know traffic generated for the authentic uh, cultures in a city and and that includes you know local local consumer spend as well as in non-COVID times, traveler consumer spend. And also then bridging the gaps between companies and community in ways where we have companies. Like I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, go companies are the devil, because that's that's also not necessarily true. There's a lot of companies that want to do good. We just don't know how. We haven't had the models for how to do it. Because at the end of the day, people run companies. Companies don't just run them. It's not just like this big box popped out the ground and you know sat on everybody and we just populated a building. You know, in reality, there's, a, there's leaders and there's people that have hearts and, and some of them want to, you know, make meaningful change. And so another one of my passions is bridging those gaps between leaders who want to uplift community, who want to invest into the growth of our health and, and making those connections in the most meaningful ways. In many ways, I feel like I'm, I've been granted a lot of vision and, and I'm passionate about getting things done. You know, I don't have to be the frontline person that's saying everything or that everyone sees. That may be the case at some point in my life. I don't know. I'm open to it, but I'm fine to lead from the back. As a, as, a, as one author proclaimed, you know, leadership from the back, it gives you the ability to see everything that's going on and, and provide insight for those that are on the front lines, that are leading, that everyone sees. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just passionate about being here, making a difference, a positive difference, but having a good time at the same time. You know, it's a food, games, music, swimming water traveling having you know what i mean like experiencing people that are different than myself that i can learn from like reading thank you also maxine uh blessed with like uh you know membership to scrib was also pretty life-changing for me came at around the time when i was like man i need some just need positive inputs 
And so I was able to kind of get a lot of those through the script membership that I now have. And I think I'm on my fifth book now. And it's, it's I think I got that February. So it's April now. So I'm doing pretty good there. And I'm, 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 I actually listened to one of those books twice. So yeah, I'm passionate. I'm just passionate about being here. Beautiful. As long as I- yeah, brother, we need it. We need you. We need you and all your passion and your innovation for sure. To your point about games and being out in the water and all of the things that you like to do, you know, now that we're in COVID-19, a lot of that is compromised and we kind of, we got to work within the framework that we have. And, you know, we just got this order to stay in officially. That was, yeah, that, that just came out this week. And so, you know, this is a day by day thing. How are you adapting to this? What do you feel like you're in need of at this time that can support kind of your best self in this context? Well, first, I just need to be consistent. So I need to keep getting up every day and writing my daily affirmations, my notes and goals and taking care of that and not focusing on all the news and the noise in the world. I mean, Again, we might be stripped of all these fun things, but it's kind of like when we were kids, at least for me, if I got into some trouble or if I was doing a bunch of things I had no business doing, I end up getting put on punishment and I had to take a, take a seat, go sit in the corner, go sit in the room and reflect. They say, yeah, ain't no games for you right now. You're not playing basketball. Yeah, you lost privilege. Now go sit down. And you know, in many ways, I feel like, you know, we've just gotten so full of ourselves and, and, and I'm grateful for this time. I, I just feel like it's important to sit down, reflect. I know a lot of us are still going to binge on Netflix till we can't watch nothing else or Hulu or video games or whatever. And, you know, granted, I'm, I'm going to play some games. I'm going to watch some shows myself. But most importantly, checking in with our loved ones, making sure that they're also good. And so, look, nobody took my breath away from me. I'm still here. I'm still living. No one to, you know what I mean? And, and and some of us have already lost people to coronavirus, you know, so sending, you know, love and prayers to everyone that's been affected, of course. Uh, but for those of us, and for those of us that are still here, I'll say, as well as have other loved ones that are still here, appreciate it, cherish it, call them, reach out, send them a, send them a note of encouragement. Do something you've never done before. Be creative, sing a song that you wanted to sing, write, write something that you've been wanting to write. You don't have travel time to and from work, which could be anywhere between 30 minutes to two hours or, or five hours, depending on your commute. So you have an extra set of time. You get to wake up at home, cook, because you also don't have to go nowhere to go get the food, I guess. And maybe maybe take the time to cook, but I don't know. Just appreciate it. Just appreciate Just learn to appreciate, you know, what is, I don't know, I, I Thinking about this, it makes me so sensitive because I know some people have like homes or like their neighborhoods that just aren't good with asbestos in the walls and it's just not even good living conditions to begin with. Some people are outside, homeless. And my heart goes out to all these people. But for those of us that are inside, we just need to be extremely grateful for the breath that we have. For those of us that have good situations, you know what I mean? We need to be extremely grateful and really reflect on how we can make this better for all of us because all of us are impacted right now and, and will continue to be. This is not a one-time deal. This is not coronavirus for February to June of 2020. Mm-hmm. This is like, this is a, this is, this is a life thing. We really are on this planet together. I don't know if everybody realizes that. <laughs> like <right>. actually, <laughs> it, it, we walk by each other every day. 
we drive by each other every day. I just hope we, we can get that understanding. It's not that complicated, but it's, for some reason, it's a hard concept to digest. So I'm going to close it out with one, one last question. So you were already talking about it. Like this COVID-19 has deeply affected all of us. What do you see as the transformation that will happen in our world and especially to black men after this? I don't know. I'm praying for black men. Someone just say that. Pray for, pray for black men. You know, I'm very optimistic. I'm very hopeful. I'm very, you know, I'm speaking a lot of life for us. So I pray our resilience shines through for the rest of the world. I think this goes one of two directions, honestly. I don't, I'm not, I'm gonna make this very like kind of binary. I'm not gonna talk about all the possibilities because anything can happen. Because yeah, sure that that can, but we're either gonna really grow from this and do a great job and come back and it's gonna be like, wow, like, wow, the world is becoming such a better place because, you know, leaders have stepped up that are actually talking about something that makes sense. They're not arguing about did they say something in court and did they not say something on the congressional floor or which rapper was with whoever's whoever like that's irrelevant right we i really feel like we could come out of this real strong that's one way the other way is business as usual and we're really trying to do something that's forced that makes no sense and we're going to hurt even worse because we just watched something happen we just had a traumatizing experience and we learned nothing from it and you know anytime you have experiences that you learn nothing from you tend to feel it a bit worse and even if you don't feel it, the worst part is being desensitized to it because you've lost your feeling. Now you're numb. And now we're all floating through. I mean, suicide rates are already through the roof. You know, crime, violence is already through the roof, especially in the U.S. These aren't new. That was pre-COVID, by the way. So you can pull the numbers and the stats on violence and suicide rates going up, especially in younger generations, you know, including my, my you know, millennials, Gen Z and all that stuff. So. You know, my prayer is that we, we take the former, that we go and we grow from this. So I mean, I'm doing all I can to just encourage people, build community, you know, pull everybody together that's, that, that, that wants to take charge on moving our world forward together. I mean, I encourage other people who have that spirit or that inclination or that voice that's urging them to do the same, to do the same. Otherwise, just yeah, don't be a bystander. Do not be a bystander in this time. Mm. Take care of yourself. Take care of the people that you can take care of. I uh, appreciate that that energy, Zaire, and we need we need more of that. And I know that just having the conversation is half the battle. Just literally, just connecting is half the battle. Just to you know relate to the other folks who are, are kind of going through it. And, and, and I know Maxine closed it, but if you want to leave one final statement that you want to leave with the, the audience, the people who will listen to you that represents kind of the essence of who you are, leave that. Yeah, so for everybody that's wondering, am I worth something? Am I valuable? Can I do it? You know, should I be here? The answers are, are absolutely. And, you know, I just encourage you to be yourself, uh, be true to that. You know, these are, these are things that no one can take from you. If you can gain them for yourself, they're already there. It's just about tapping into it. So, you know, to listen, listen to your, to your inner voice, trust your intuition. If you have challenges, be honest about them, work through them, reach out to somebody. If you have no one to reach out to, stay strong until you do, you know what I mean? Like, like literally just be persistent. Something about persistence, consistency that allows us to persevere and eventually the things that we're looking for, we attract them. I spent years looking for mentors until literally finding, you know what I mean? Like, you know, meeting like a Maxime and now talking to a Sekou and 
you know what I mean? And other people that I've been able to uh, be fortunate to come across years. When I say years, I've literally, that's not an exaggeration. Um, I literally spent years being like, man, nobody's understanding anything I'm talking about. They look at me like I'm, you know, speaking a language that doesn't even exist on the planet, which I didn't feel like it was that complicated. I'm like, look, all I'm talking about is uplifting people and building models around this, you know, and being a good person. I don't know why that's so confusing to understand, but uh, hey, it was confusing. And so I realized, you know, through persistence, I was not only able to develop my message and be a lot stronger, a lot more clear with who I am, but I was also able to then attract the other like minds and energies that were necessary to continue this journey. So I say, stay strong, be yourself, stay true, persevere. Most importantly, commit, commit and and stick to the values that you really feel like, you know, you want to see embodied in the world. Beautiful. Let me introduce myself. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah. Pulling back the layers of identity to get to our most authentic self. Thank you, Zaire, Mm -hmm. for blessing us with your time and your heart, your soul, your vision. And we are all for sure the better for it and look forward to building with you in community outside of this and wishing for you and your family safety and health um, in the future. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. And likewise, likewise, wishing you safety, health, wealth, um, and everyone else that's listening. Same to you, Maxime. Thank you so much. I appreciate you all. Davion Zaire, what a brilliant, thoughtful, creative, global, and local Black man building a new world that works better for folks that are struggling. I thought your rites of passage was dope. More of us need to do that, especially in our young age, to develop self-sufficiency. And we really are on this planet together, although we forget it because it's trained in us to go back to individualism. Let's all pray for Black men, this time and any other time. We really need it, and we really appreciate you, Zaire, for introducing yourself. Come back next week for another episode of Let Me Introduce Myself. Mm-hmm.